0: Hello and welcome to the BizDesign Enterprise Architecture podcast. My name is Will Scott, and in these podcasts, we talk to leaders in the areas of enterprise architecture and how they and their teams deliver value to their organizations in advancing strategy, optimizing operations, or reducing and managing risks. Today, I'm going to be talking to Martin van Kleebeek from Aleander and Joe Geary from BizDesign. And we're going to be talking all around business capability models, how to get started with them, the powerful views into your enterprise you can generate as a result of having them, and some of the more advanced techniques that are used by enterprise architecture teams to really drive value with the organization and to get that all-important seat around the table. So let's go to that interview now. So gentlemen, welcome to today's show. I'm thrilled to have you here, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation all around business capabilities and the power of them. Uh, perhaps it'd be good for our audience for us you, for us to begin with uh, you introducing yourself. So uh, Martin, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little about yourself, your background and uh, what you do today for Aliander.
1: Sure. So my name is Martin Vorklobek. I am currently working at Aliander, which is um, an infrastructure uh, service provider for electricity and natural gas. Um, Um, and my role is uh, corporate data management and quality so the business process management and business architecture are basically part of our quality management uh, team
0: and your background Um,
1: well i've been uh, working in telecoms and utilities uh for over 20 years now and basically uh either within it uh with um with a look on the business or Within the business, with a look on IT, so it's always, you know, on that on that uh, business IT alignment. Um, in many projects, um, uh, systems implementation, business process implementation, organizational uh, redesign, and transformation.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you here. And uh, Joe, how about yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, and and what you do today for business design.
2: Yeah, sure, Will. Uh, Yeah, I'm Joe Gary. I am the Vice President of Customer Value for BizDesign. Yeah, I've been in IT for probably 30 years now, which, uh, which again, when I say that out loud, it feels like a really long time. Uh, But uh, really, really, most of that time has been, um, you could say, wearing this enterprise architecture hat, because my, my passion has always been helping business achieve the outcomes that, that they need to achieve, and using all things digital to help get them there. So uh, it's it's a pretty fun role here at BizDesign because I get to come alongside all of our uh, customers and help them advance their EA discipline with our platform to, to achieve just that, advancing the business, achieving business outcomes, uh, and use, leveraging all things digital to do just that.
0: It's great to have you here and not wanting to make either of you feel old, but I just calculated we have over half a century's experience, excluding myself. Uh,
1: Thank you, Will.
0: Okay, you're very very welcome. Um, Well, I wanted to begin this conversation. Both of you are well-known public speakers in the area of business capabilities, deep expertise, and very advanced in what you do for your organizations. But for some of our listeners, business capability based modeling using the power of business capabilities as a new concept and so perhaps Martin i'll begin with you to talk about just tell us what business capabilities are and how you go about initially introducing the concept of using this this business capability model and method within an organization
1: yes well first of all i think you know it's very good to understand that basic basically business capability are an expression of what an organization does so it's it's extremely simple um, in its concept Um, and it's it's very valuable in the fact that you um, add simplicity to a lot of complex um, uh, um, areas of work so um, let me give you an example we have hundreds of projects going on at the same time in in over a hundred teams and uh, the portfolio managers if they 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 are looking for ways to simplify their outlook on that portfolio and basically because the business capabilities is such a simple concept uh, you really add a layer of simplicity on that portfolio it makes you it, it creates very clear um ways of Of cutting through that complexity and basically reorganizing your projects, but also your IT systems or your departments in a very recognizable way for the business.
0: That's great. Um, And Joe, how about this? Because I know that I've had this question often, and and you'll certainly be educating uh, me as well. Um, Oftentimes, you know, defining what a business capability is can be challenging. So let me give you an example, and maybe you can help our listeners understand the difference between Let's take accounts payable. So accounts payable might be a, a business capability. It might also be a business process. It could also be the department in an organization. And finally, it could be an application or some kind of IT system. Uh, and they all have that same word. So how do we distinguish between those, those concepts when it comes to business capabilities?
2: Yeah, that, that's true, Will. Um, and, and to echo a bit of what Martin said, you know, a, a business capability should really reflect what we're about as an organization. It shouldn't get into the detail of how we do something uh, or, or even who is doing something. So it is intentionally different from an organizational structure or an organizational model. It is it is different than a process model uh, or a or process layer of how we actually do things. It's actually kind of a higher level and more maybe a a bit more abstract or simple, like Martin said, of what are we really about, you know, as an organization? And maybe, you know, several layers down of that structure. What are we about? Um, And then, you know, the value is going to be in connecting the dots, connecting things to, now that I have an agreement on what we're about, what can I light up or convey? Um, You asked the question of how can organizations get started with, defining this what we're all about structure of capabilities and you know i work with with organizations on a pretty regular basis and it's a good question how can we get started we don't have a capability model and so maybe some advice there is to you know there are industry reference models available i would go and look for one to at least use as a starting point to to you know to kind of throw against the wall and see what sticks um, and use it to start conversations with your business stakeholders. Uh, and, and then be open for them to tell you, hey, you know, I get it. That's kind of a generic reference model. Uh, but here's what we're really about uh, at our specific organization. So be open to transforming it and, and owning it uh, and turning it into to, to your own. You know, another another tip would be you know look for just just like martin was talking about you know where you you're working with your pmo and your and your portfolio managers to say and giving them another means to connect those dots of all these projects that they have going on with uh, the capabilities you know look for you know opportunities to to enable other groups who are also struggling with business alignment You know, your PMO, I'm sure, would love to be able to articulate how all of these projects are really advancing the business. And to be able to connect those dots to what we are as an organization is really powerful. You may also have a corporate planning group or a strategy group that may be struggling with connecting those dots of how are they taking these high-level business plans and showing what this is really advancing. As an organization. And that's another, another way to federate with other groups and help them bring more value with what they're already struggling with. And then so a third
0: Martin, would be, Martin, yeah. Sorry, I just want to ask Martin yeah. based on his experience. Um, and in fact, I was talking to someone who is a thought leader in the area of enterprise architecture and higher education. And his organization had actually developed a business capability model for higher education. And one of the things he To me, is he went out and had a look at all the different industry business business capability models out there—the Bian one, the Accord one—you know, there's there's a number of them out there. And his observation was, maybe seventy percent are identical between industries, regardless of industries. Um, And there was this, you know, this this portion of thirty percent that differentiated higher education from banking, for example. Presumably, we all have lots of similar functions like accounts payable, regardless of what industry definitely. Yes. Mom, when you when you started, uh, and cast your mind back to when you introduced this, where did you begin with the uh, Aleander model?
1: Um, well, there's actually a few questions to that answer. Um, first of all, I think the, the, um, the, the group of people within the company that, that understands the purpose of a capability map is, is definitely the enterprise architects. So they are a great... Group of people to work with because they, they see um, the the different use cases um, and the, and the ways you can apply a common capability model all across um, the organization. Um, so they so they are good to work with. They know about the reference models. They they probably have some stuff lying about. So that's a, that's a great starting point. Uh, but actually, the, 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 the value of the business capability map is, is in different places. It's not only with, with the enterprise architect. So it's a good starting point, but you should look for use cases, different use cases, wherever they are. And um, when we started defining the uh, our capability map we took some outside reference models we refined them into a first working version we knew it was perfect but it was all right to start looking for those uh, for those use cases and much to my surprise one of our first use cases was in the hr department it was all about strategic uh, planning of our personnel which was a use case that I that I never uh, even thought of before we started working there. But there was such a need for those people to have a single common reference, a reference of how we talk about our company, and and maybe also to that simplicity. It's very difficult to create something simple because words matter. So the wording, maybe also the difference between those industry models. And the reference models is in the wording because you have to create a common understanding. So basically you would say, you know, it was there already, you know, that it it means the same thing. But the words that are actually recognizable for your business are super important. So those guys, they needed such a model and there was the first use case.
0: And I know you've both spoken before about how um, the uh, I think, Joe, you've used the concept of the Rosetta Stone. That the business capability model is the language by which IT can speak to the business. It's uh I'm trying to recall the Esperanto, right? Is the common language we all speak between all of us. And maybe I picked a poor example there. And personally, I think that's so important for enterprise architects who sometimes have a reputation of using their own special secret language and secret, you know, terminology. And it's difficult for people to understand. But once you talk in the language of business capabilities, Everyone understands what, what that means, or at least there's a lot further to having a common understanding. So, so, gentlemen, once we have that capability model established, and Joe talked about connecting it up and connecting the dots, maybe, Joe, you can talk a little bit about, um, I almost think of it like a lens. Now, now we look at the organization through this lens. Can you talk about some of the different ways in which now we have a new way of looking at the organization, the power of it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so so for example, you know, I mentioned federating with other groups where you can help them connect dots. Well, one of those lenses that you're referring to might be where do I have data-related risk? You know, often you're, it's a board of directors level concern in most organizations protecting uh, our customer information or our employee information. Uh, and, and how can I, uh, you know, convey that risk in a way that the business will understand and be able to do something about. You know, if I drop down and start talking data bits and bytes and encryption, and you know, this becomes an IT-focused thing, uh, a very techy, geeky thing. But in the end, I need to engage the business and, and ask them uh, to make investments to mitigate those risks, to increase their awareness of those risks. So by lighting up a capability model around those risks. Um, I I can have very deep conversations that are easy for them to have because it's in their language. You know, I can get a hold of the right people in the right what we're about areas, and they can make informed decisions by lighting up a capability model, but allowing drill down into the details of which vendors or partners of business are putting us at risk. What are the specifics of those risks? But at that high level, you know, I can get the right decision makers involved within the business.
0: I like that. And certainly, you know, we don't want to make these business executives have to try and understand a classic enterprise architecture diagram, which consists of many, many boxes connected with many, many lines. It's unfathomable. So this simple business capability map with the explanation, green is good, red is bad. Let me explain to you why something turns red. You know, we can all we can all understand that and put it in the language there. So, so Martin, let me go to you. How about you and Alianda? What are some of the sort of interesting views of your organization business capability models have enabled you to to provide?
1: Yeah, well, I think the main thing is that we start connecting the business capabilities to you know areas of investigation. So basically, if uh, on the IT side, if you have an application. Portfolio or an application rationalization pro- program going on. It's, it's actually quite simple to connect capabilities to applications uh, For the HR department that was interesting in in our strategic personnel planning We basically connected the capabilities to our departments and to the people within the departments to find which roles or competences are specific to a department Uh, or what competencies are more generic so people could could move from one capability to another and you can create even career paths through business capabilities which which was great fun to do also to talk on it on uh, to those people in an architectural way which they weren't used to Um, otherwise you know for example the, the the connecting business capabilities to projects Connecting business capabilities to data, like Joe said, is really interesting. Where we use it now, for example, to re- create next to a business capability map, uh, a business object model uh, for the main data um, um, objects in our company. So it's really about creating simple, um, you know, two-dimensional connections to to any. Um, fixed asset in the organization, whether it's departments or applications or or data, and start creating simple diagrams to show relations.
0: And Joe, you've talked before about the power of capability models to take a view on, I'll call it spend or investment. Um, You know, how can I use this model to see where I'm spending my run the business money, And where i'm spending my change the business uh, money so it's really connecting up into the pmo
2: can you can you talk a little bit more about that that's right i mean and it's a lot like martin saying once you connect those dots to what applications are related to what capabilities i can start to heat map my capability model by the the total cost of ownership around all of those supporting applications so why is it costing me so much each year to just support in your example accounts payable you know why is it costing me so much or why do i have 20 different applications that are supporting this down to level 3 capability isn't there a simplification play here or bring in a suite you know or like you said the investment strategy does this make sense that we have 15 projects all trying to advance or mature this capability i mean they're going to run into resource contention issues you know, um, even just trying to get the business to engage on uh, the requirements gathering and the testing activities alone is could be a train wreck, um, all the way to the dollars that are related. Does it make sense we're not investing anything into this capability with our organization uh, versus we're investing a massive amount of money in this capability? So having those conversations with the business to perhaps shift dollars and investments to look at cost reduction opportunities or simplification plays. Um, yeah, those those are all really, really important. And I mean, you know, you know, to take that a step further, you hear about application rationalization often as an EA activity where we're looking at business value and technical health of our apps that, but now when we connect those dots to the capabilities, I can now look at that through a different lens. I can say, hey, do you realize based on the applications that are currently supporting this capability that we're not meeting the strategic need? We have a gap here. And I can start talking about initiatives instead of, hey, we need to upgrade this application. I can start talking about initiatives to close business capability gaps and get into strategic alignment. So it it really uh, switches your, your perspective to that of the business. Instead of that of tech,
0: and presumably once you have this business capability model, you can attribute those capabilities as being strategic or non-strategic, important, non-important. So then you can ask, why am I spending all this money on accounts payable, which is a non-strategic?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Or or even back to your application example, Martin. You know, once I know which capabilities are critical. Do you realize how many of those supporting applications are no longer on vendor supported technologies, meaning we have implied risk and probably excess cost paying extended support on stuff that's outdated, even though it's supporting our most critical aspects of what we do as an organization?
0: And I know that's so yeah. in, in, in your industry, Mark, maybe you can talk about this and Joe as well in 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 industries that are regulated, that have, you know, regulatory reporting requirements there to talk about their security posture what have you capabilities that help us do that as well right Among yeah
1: those. we use that you know we are um, and i think that's that's also a little bit more on the advanced uh, use of capabilities we are starting to add more dynamic data to the capabilities we are connecting um um more aspects that are relevant so you could connect basically your application but if you connect to a capability both your application a process the number of users in the process um and and the and and spend in the process you can make more advanced ratios and and learn from those ratios where are am i over investing or, uh, for example, where uh, we have a lot of um, um, uh, interest, of course, in uh, GDPR and how we protect our data. So we, if we could, can connect capabilities to processes at risk because of you know types of data that are pr- protected by GDPR, we can highlight those across the company and, is and that make sure of- that we have the right measures in place. To protect the, that data, because the the privacy um, officer is 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 helped, um, you know can can gain a lot of insight, which normally would take interviews and going to every, each and every department and talking about you know which which data are you processing, where does it come from. So so really um, it it enables you to create a whole company overview of where data is being processed from what source.
0: That's that's fascinating. It sounds like there's some interesting things in your future there. And what strikes me is, you know, many times enterprise architecture departments complain they don't have a seat at the table and they're not being paid attention to. It sounds to me that once you can start talking in this language, once you can start attaching yourself to board-level careabouts, to regulatory requirements then all of a sudden what you do becomes very important. Joe, do you have any comment on that?
2: Yeah, I think that, that's true. It's a common complaint or concern. You hear a lot of EA groups saying that we wish we had a seat at the table. And my response to that is if you have something interesting to share and convey that resonates with the business, you will have a seat at the table. You need to be speaking their language, though, in things like strategy advancement or risk mitigation or run optimization. But if you have specific things and the capability models are perfect, Rosetta Stone for that. But if you can share insights that resonate with the business, you'll get invited to the table. You'll have a seat.
0: And it seems like enterprise architecture uh, organizations are the organization best place to create this holistic view, right?
2: I think that's correct. You know, I think uh, when done right and when, when EA isn't just an IT focus, but really a holistic business and digital focus. I think that's right. It's a great place to, uh, to to originate such insights from, that discipline. Well,
0: gentlemen, I'm going to l- ask this one last question, and it's a top tips question. So for the enterprise architecture organizations and departments that are looking to start on this journey of creating a business capability model or lens to view their organization, um, maybe I'll ask each you, Martin, I'll start with you, um, what would your top one or two tips be for them? to uh to to be on the path of success
1: well i would i would say start with the end in mind and i think what joe is saying you know if you want to gain a seat at the table think about the insights that you need to provide to get that seat on the table and you know they will um probably not be cheering you for having a capability model because you know it's a great exercise and then they start asking you know what how many people were involved and how long did it take so you, you get into a whole different conversation that you don't want to go into you want to show you know, real value and um, I think that real value those insights are, are um, amplified by adding real actual and current data to the business capability maps so that would be by not you know, start with the end in mind, you know, you have to do your, your groundwork anyway. Um, but start by by even doing mockups of the types of insights that you could provide to the business. Um, so that would be my first tip and, um, um, and a little bit selfish um, um, in this area because of the fact that we have been in the utilities industry and um, um, uh, we we found out that it helps a lot me as an architect, so that's why I'm saying a little bit selfish. If I can have other utilities also think about their capability maps, because we started doing this on our own, and a lot of comments that we got was, but haven't other utilities done this work before? And the answer was yes, but we. Didn't know about it at that time, so my second tip would be start looking around you and see if other people have done some groundwork. And actually, that has led now two or three years later to the fact that we are building a utility-wide capability map uh, within the Netherlands, um, which is which is very good also for um uh you know the way we work together within the within the sector so that would be my second tip don't do all the groundwork um um, uh, on your own but start finding peers who are struggling with the same thing and maybe have great other uses and insights that they want to provide to their management
0: that's great so have the end in mind first and mock up and ask the question if i could light this up for you would you find that valuable and secondly. Don't reinvent the wheel if the wheel's already be invented or at least partially invented as well. And I know certainly more and more industry bodies uh, like Bian are, are, are emerging with this sort of default um, capability models. So There's a, a great starting point, if not an ending point. Um, Joe, how about you? What's what's your top tips?
2: Yeah, I think that's great advice from Martin. Um, you know, that that really is uh, sound advice, you know, but. Beyond that, uh, you know, I, I talk to a lot of EA groups who are are sadly often reactive. You know, we need you to put a roadmap together. By the way, here's all the inputs. We've made all the decisions already, just draw a roadmap for me. But if EA really wants to get into a seat at the table and the driving seat, the driver's seat to to, to transform forward, then they, they really need to look at these business capability models seriously because. This is where you can can bridge that gap between the business's strategy and the plans that are often, often maybe a little unclear. They can start leveraging things like value streams and value stages and identify capability gaps, get the solution architects involved, define requirements, work with the business to define initiatives to close those capability gaps. And now EA is driving transformation right they're they're identifying capability gaps they're leveraging solution architecture and they're actually driving this transformation machine achieving real business outcomes a couple tactical steps along that journey you know i find some friendlies in your organization you know some groups that are open to talking to you about the power of business capabilities or some groups that are struggling with connecting the dots to the business and they want to they have a desire to might be your data governance group might be your corporate planning group, might be your, uh, your, your PMO. Uh, those, are, those are commonly what I see there. Um, adopt an industry model, if you can find one, and there's often a, a generic industry reference capability model that you can start from. And of course, we have pre-built solution sets that I'd be more than happy to work with anyone on, uh, deploying to get the value fast, that, that, that bring out a lot of these insights that we've been talking about here today. Uh, and we can get you to value very quickly.
0: Well, gentlemen, thanks so much. Time flies. It's been a fascinating conversation. We've gone right from entry level to advanced and sophisticated concepts when it comes to business capability-based planning and that view into the enterprise. So I'd like to thank you both for your time today. It's been a great conversation and I wish you the very best and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Martine and Joe. And as you can see, business capabilities as a lens to be able to look into the business not only presents an incredibly powerful tool to make decisions smarter, better, and faster about investments in the organization and where you carry risk, but also can equally be an incredibly powerful tool to communicate directly with the business as it becomes that Rosetta Stone to translate what enterprise architecture does to the business stakeholders. For more podcasts, blogs, and recorded webinars, please visit us at bizdesign.com, where there is a wealth of information available. And if you'd like to tell your EA story and feature on this podcast, then please email me, Will Scott, at podcast at bizdesign.com. Bizdesign is a leader in the area of enterprise architecture software and supports enterprise architecture teams in delivering value to their organizations with a key focus on the value outcomes of strategy advancement, operational efficiency, and reducing risk. Thanks for your time today.